Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Who the hell with the arrogance of McDonald's to tell me when I'm supposed to eat breakfast? (laughs) Pete Thamel. That's a disappointment. Bobby Petrino's back. He should be welcomed properly. It's kind of sad. We all lose during the pandemic. And SI's Pat Forty. People really go to places like Magic City to eat? I mean, I guess so. Absolutely, they do. Look at that. And here's Dan. Hi, welcome to the pod. It is Monday, 11.14 a.m. I'm just going to put that out there because it is a fast-moving day in sports. And uh, on our last pod, we uh, heralded the return of Major League Baseball and said uh, not only were we happy that any kind of team sport was on, but college football could take some lessons. This is the guinea pig. Put it out there. See what happens. Can this work? Can you operate a sports outside of the bubble, outside of a bubble? Can it happen? And we made it four days, boys. <laughs> four whole days. It's <laughs> good run. Good run. Kind of thought they'd go longer than that. I was never yes. overly optimistic <laughs> when my rankings of Sports leagues that could make it. I had them obviously after the bubbles of the NBA and the NHL. But we got four days and it's either 13 or 14 and maybe 13 now. Florida Marlins uh, players and coaches have tested positive. Could be 14. I don't know what's up with that one guy. Good luck to you. kind of like sometimes they readjust the uh, death count and then they're like, they drop yeah. a number and you're like, yeah, resurrections are happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lazarus is their second what? baseman. <laughs> <laughs> you really want to be that guy. It's like, nope, not you. Okay. Uh, so the Miami Marlins, uh, they're my, they're not, I think I called them the Florida Marlins. Miami Marlins. I don't know. Whatever yeah. this team is, I think Jeter owns it. We should have known. Can any of us name a Miami Marlin? Just the owner. Jeter. Yeah. But you know, yeah. Jeter yeah. was the biggest, like, Jeter never stopped entertaining people at night. Let me just put it that way. Late night house guests. Yeah. <laughs> what did we expect out of a team owned by this guy? Wasn't his you know. thing he would give his house guests an autographed baseball? It was like, like a, a gift basket. There was like yeah. a going away yeah. basket in the morning or something. <laughs> That's some nightlife refinement there, you know. <laughs> Dude, was straight another legend. satisfied but customer. Straight legend. He was just an unapologetic dog. 
wasn't cheating <laughs> on anyone. Just was just <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, not good. Uh, Marlins game Monday night has been postponed. They were supposed to host the Orioles in their home opener. I mean, you don't even make it to the home opener. I don't know how we don't know. By the time you listen to this, a lot of this information will come to light. We can't. What are we going to do? Right. How long are they shut down? How many players can they, uh, you know, all of these questions and MLB supposedly has a plan. They didn't think they'd have to enact it this quickly. You know, I think it just lends its. I don't think they're going to shut the whole league down or anything like that. Although I, I can't. That's just my prediction. I have uh, very few sources that deal with baseball, so I don't know. Uh, but obviously, this is uh, not good. This would be on the not good category of things. And I, I, I go back to one one kind of flare out in the sky that maybe we should have seen coming is that the Canadian government, which has for many, many reasons, but the Canadians have done a, a good job of, of limiting the coronavirus. Their numbers are very low and all of that. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. But the Canadian government looked at this Major League Baseball plan and said, uh, hell no, you're not doing that. Right. <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays are out. They kicked the Toronto Blue Jays out of their country before agreeing to Major League Baseball's plan. At the same time, they looked at the NHL's bubble plan and said, we will take every team, bring them all. We'll take them all. We'll put them in Edmonton and Toronto. This is a plan that we like. So it's not just that they're like, you know, we, we're we no sport. You know, we're hardcore. I, I, don't, I don't really know the political. I'm guessing no one else here under, knows too much about the political uh, machinations and moods of Canada. So, you know, Docile. whatever, but that's pretty much most uh, Canadian uh, things. <laughs> adult, adult. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of Canadians live right on the Canadian border. I have friends over there. We go over there a lot. And uh, it's uh, yeah, they're way more like just low key about everything. Like it's just everything's they just kind of look on in horror uh, across <laughs> the Detroit River. What exactly <laughs> we're doing? Why do we do this? Uh, and other friends in Toronto and all that. Anyway. Canada was like, this plan is stupid. No, we will literally kick our only team out of the country before we agree to this. <laughs> then they looked at the NHL and said, all right, this is good. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, probably should have <laughs> should have probably thought a little that that might have been a data point, if you will, uh, <laughs> that this goes. So good. I don't know. Good your initial CFP reactions there. Good job. Yeah. Your initial reactions to this and, and mostly. The baseball to me was the sport that was trying to operate outside of a bubble that had the best chance of making it. And maybe they will, but this isn't really a, a positive development. What are your thoughts on how this works with uh, college football? My first thought was that uh, the Marlins are now the Rudy Gobert of the summer. You know, Rudy, what as Rudy Gobert was to March, they might be to late July. But as you said, Dan, I don't think they're going to shut down. I think they're going to try to keep going. Whereas Rudy, Rudy, to his credit, just pretty well annihilated everything immediately. But uh, in the in the pandemic pantheon, the, the 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 Marlins may end up well up end up having a place here. And this does go to the general unmanageability of not having a bubble situation. Uh, and we sure know that college football has no bubble situation. You know, if you wanted to get really just nakedly pro football ambitious. You could go to every school and say, look, we are creating a football bubble. 
We're going to take this dorm and it's going to be the football dorm and we're going to shuttle them to and from the football facility and that's all they're going to do. They're going to take their classes online. Of course, that would go over like an absolute lead balloon at a place of higher ed education. Good luck with that one. But what you'd have to do, you just have to come out and nakedly say, we need the money. So we've got to try to play football, but they're not going to do that because that not is not the way anybody talks in uh, in college education slash athletics. But it's a bad, bad signal for college athletics because, we, as you said, we all know that the, the commissioners, the presidents, the athletic directors are all watching what is happening in the pro sports and the baseball situation was probably closest to what college football is doing in terms of not bubbling and having people, you know, in their home base and then traveling to another place to play and then coming back. So it's uh, it's not a good sign. You put that on top of Michigan State quarantining the whole team, Rutgers quarantining the whole team. And let's say it was it might have been a nice weekend series for baseball. It was a bad weekend for college football. So Pat mentioned the pandemic pantheon. If we, if we were going to have a pandemic Mount Rushmore, which city would we put it in? <laughs> <laughs> Shreve, Shreveport. <laughs> I don't know. If they, I don't know what they have a mountain. We need a we need a place that has a mountain, don't we? To put a mountain. Yeah, no mountains on. in Shreve. No mountains in Shreveport. Who would, who, just sleep. who would attend this? Someone would go to it. <laughs> remember when? Uh, remember that town in Indiana that was going to create the mascot Hall of Fame? And I was like, this is the biggest oh, yeah, boot. Yeah. Like no one. It'll be a big tourist <laughs> destination. I've been dying to see the Philadelphia Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, what I do think, and I'm writing this column uh, Monday at Yahoo, is basically like, I think the Marlins are going to maybe become the line of demarcation, bubble, non-bubble. This clearly didn't work. We are 120th the way through this Major League Baseball schedule, and this is already a, a flare-up. Now, of course, you could joke that if they just, like, fill in the Marlins roster with a bunch of independent league, like, players, would anyone really notice the difference? Probably not. But... The just all of the things, the travel that's involved, the the contact that's involved. I, I thought one of the telling things was that when Juan Soto of the uh, Nationals tested positive, he magically none of his teammates had to contact trace because he was never <laughs> around any of them for more than 15 minutes. And so <laughs> what's going to happen? People are going to test positive. We know that you talk to any coach, talk to any college official. They all say positive tests are inevitable. Right. Like in. The only way to manage those, especially with the college contact tracing rules, is basically going to be to lie. Like that's really the only the only way forward. So I, I thought it was interesting that that Bob Bowlesby told the uh, Des Moines Register in the wake of the Marlin news: if we are advised that it's okay to play the football season, we should all expect that there will be such disruptions. So it's sort of like embrace chaos, which I guess is like embrace liability. And, and the problem is, like if Iowa State loses. 14 players, they just can't replace them. They just can't call people up. You know, they can't go to like Des Moines High and Ames High and, and, and just pick up a couple more left guards. It's it, it's an interesting place we're in right now. But as as like tangible tipping points go, I, I'd be surprised if the, the Marlins aren't remembered as something. Now, but here's the thing. What should Major League Baseball do? I mean, there's supposed to be emergency meeting Monday. Do you fight through it or do you cancel the whole season? Do you let one rotten franchise spoil spoil the bunch. Um, it has to be intoxicating now that they've had the product on TV. People are engaged. Like baseball's back. It's got to be really hard to pull the whole thing. Ratings were huge uh, over the yep. weekend. Is what I saw. Everyone's excited. They were really funny stuff. I don't know if you saw. There was like one of those cardboard cutouts 
someone hit a home run and like broke his head off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Did you so see Anthony great. Rizzo uh, from the Cubs squirt hand sanitizer on uh, yeah, a guy yeah, right. on first base yeah. of the fire? Yeah. That was great. You know, it's it was just good like, stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah. something haunting about watching these shots into empty stadiums. I mean, yeah. it was really, I watched a little baseball and it was pretty good. Uh, yeah. As uh, Look at this. This is an in-law. We're doing this, obviously, uh, on the fly here. I don't know how else you would do it. But this breaking news, the Marlins Orioles are postponed, but so aren't the Phillies Yankees because the Marlins played yep. the Phillies. So there's yep. another game postponed. Yeah, uh, so that's so two one, things. one team, one team has taken out four teams and right. two series so far. Right. And this goes to two things. I, I'll just say it goes to the motivation of these college football conferences. I think you need to go conference only and you need to be trying to play like just eight games. And then because this is the problem, when are you making these games up? So I, I don't think baseball should shut down. I, and if they're shutting down after one outburst of 14, then what was the plan to start? Why did you start? This was going to happen. So I think they should try to keep going. But where are they? May I don't know the baseball schedule, you know, and how you fit this in. But this is why you only try to play eight games over three months, because one positive 14 guys get it in a baseball team. And now we got. So when are you making these games up? And that's why I think college football would be smart to to start in our, late August. And and I mean, I don't tell if they're I'm not real confident they're going to start, but start in late August and and try to play eight games between then and Thanksgiving. And then it's a wrap. And maybe you can do that. But this is going to happen where all of a sudden the games are out or you sit there and say, hey, you know what? Orioles are now going to host the Yankees because they didn't have neither of those two teams had anything to do with this. So. Let's switch this thing up. And I think in college football, they can do some of that. And I think they maybe they could in baseball. I don't really know how it's all working. But where it, this is a puzzle piece. And so you only have a schedule a couple weeks out or something like that. And just try to be like, hey, all right, well, you guys are fine. Phillies are, are on the shelf. Miami's definitely on the shelf. Let's play Baltimore and New York uh, tonight in wherever. And, and maybe you can do that. I don't know. But this is a logistical nightmare and, and this is the problem so that that's where we're at with that I, I agree with Pat it's almost like they have to say the, the 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 quiet part out out loud and they really just have to embrace it and say look we're shutting all the sports down uh, we're barely having a campus but we need money and these guys want to play if you guys want to play football we'll, we'll do it and take the risk I don't think they're going to do that I don't, I, God knows the liability issues and all that admitting it but that's where we're at because in most common sense approach should be why am I bothering? The reason baseball is bothering is because there's a lot of money. This is what they do. And there's lots of money at stake. But I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know where this is at. So uh, what do you think? Does this lead credence to the idea of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 just being smart and saying we need one of the reasons we're doing this is schedule flexibility? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I, it it, it uh, adds some uh, some verifiability, I guess, to, to their logic there is that, yeah, we... <laughs> With we are fully expecting to not be able to play a full season, and we're going to need weeks where some teams just aren't going to be able to play to be able to to move things around. So I think this is a prime example of anticipating that sort of situation. And that's one thing, you know, we're expecting an ACC schedule model Wednesday, uh, most likely. The ADs are meeting Tuesday. They're expected to pass a proposal to the president's Wednesday, they vote on it and either approve, disapprove. 
And one of the most common things, it's probably either 10 league games plus one non-con or eight league games plus one non-con. If you're playing 10 plus one, you are limiting your flexibility. That's 11 games when you're usually playing 12, uh, and that's where you start running into some problems there. So they'd probably be better off with eight plus one if they go that route. But, uh, you know, the Notre Dame piece of that is going to be a big part of the equation. But but that's exactly to your point, Dan, is that that if you're if you're trying to schedule 11 games, you are there's very likely you're not going to be able to play 11 games. Yeah. And I think what colleges are starting to ask themselves, you know, the quiet part out loud is like, all right, does it look unseemly if we have an outbreak and then we just say, hey, we're going to shelve the season for two weeks and come right back and go after our rival from all state like like that. To me, the optics of that is harder in college than it is, you know, a bunch of, you know, mercenary professionals who knew what they were signing up for and, uh, you know, who were who professional baseball players and well compensated. And so I, I do really think the optics of that and I know this college administrators have been very sensitive to the tweets um, uh, alignment. I think Jordan Reed from Michigan State tweeted something on Friday, like, you know, ba- basically saying we're doing this for money. Right. And like I had four or five coaches, administrators mention it to me on the phone the other day. Like we are one tweet storm, one, uh, you know, like player gathering, one team basically doing a social media standoff from like a big dominoes happen. I just feel like we're teetering on the brink here in college. There's so many things that could end up pushing it over. And remember, nobody's practiced yet. Camps, uh, the earliest camps start on Friday. We still don't know. And we won't know if there is virus on your team, what happens when you actually have a football practice? Like that's how like basic the, you know, the understanding of how football would work during a during a pandemic is. And I think camp's like a really interesting line of demarcation because a lot of coaches I've talked to, they don't want to like start camp and then stop. Camp is hard. Camp are long days. Guys fighting for their lives. It's mentally taxing. It's physically taxing. There's a lot that goes into camp. You just can't like, yo-yo around camp or have two weeks of camp and then stop camp. So I, I really think that the Big 12 scheduling that Kansas game early and that Oklahoma game early, that says to me, like, they really want to make a run at this. All right. Maybe more so, you know, everybody sort of stereotypically saying, oh, the SEC, the SEC will play no matter what, which I don't think is fair. I actually think the Big 12 is the most aggressive conference right now in in trying to uh, in trying to play and in, in, in get games in. At least our actions would uh, would would indicate that. Uh, Greg Sankey told me last week they, they really view camp as an important barometer. Like they they are sensitive to camp and starting camp. And the other interesting camp point is that group of five schools can't afford to just have camp and then not have a season. Like that's a fifth of their budget. Like all the meals and also too with like where the players stay. Sometimes they're in hotels. Sometimes you have to pay for dorm space, which doesn't make sense to most people, but that's how things work on campuses. So like the, I, have a, I have a bunch of coaches that I'm talking to are like, man, we like camp is a big line because once financially we blow into camp, we can't get out. How, how are these group of fives even making any money this year? Like if you're not going to make money on this, you're pulling this plug in a hurry, aren't you? Well, for them, yeah, they are being left twisting in the wind, waiting to see what game money games they can salvage in their agreements with the power five. I mean, you want to talk about a powerless feeling being in the group of five right now is like waiting to see, okay, they're going to tell us what we can play and not play non-conference. And then, yeah, is it worth, are we, 
Are we going to make enough money otherwise to, to even make un undertaking a season worthwhile financially? There's other reasons you'd like to do it, but uh, the, the, I, I would hate to be a group of five AD or commissioner at this point because you are literally just at the mercy of what's happening with the Power Five, and the Power Five doesn't really care about you. So to what Pete mentioned, uh, Oklahoma, among others, have moved their schedule a little bit. They're going to play... Missouri State, their opener is now October, uh, I'm sorry, August 29th. Then they have a game on. The shame of that, Dan, if I can cut you off, is no Oklahoma students will be able to wear neck braces in the stands to welcome back Bobby Petrino because they're like, <laughs> we won't have fans in the stands. That's <laughs> a disappointment. Bobby Petrino's back. He should be welcomed properly. It's kind of sad. won't happen. Yeah, yeah, I know. We all lose during the pandemic. Well, we hope this game gets played so we have a week for this podcast to make fun of Bobby Petrino. <laughs> which is a, so... <laughs> I really need this game to be played. Uh, but look, they're going to play the 29th of August. Then they're going to play the September 12th, also at home. And then their third game is not until September 26th at Army in West Point. And I think uh, Joe Castiglione, there's a quote, if the season is indeed permitted to start a schedule, the benefit of extra time between games will help our teams manage any variety of possible circumstances that may occur. Original schedule had an open date between the second and third games. So now we've spun it. Well, now we have in a span of five weeks to play three games. It provides a more gradual approach to safely manage the conditions. So it's a little bit like it's just going to kind of ease into it, but start early. Buy as much time to try to make this work. Uh, I, I actually like that idea. I don't think pushing back helps. I just don't. I don't know how this keeps getting. What's the plan where this gets better all of a sudden magically in November? Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't see it. Uh, all right. Here's the other problem for college football. And uh, this was the story that everyone tweeted at me, of course, because they're expecting to be on the podcast. And of course, it would be sweet Lou Williams, Lou Will, mm. Los mm. Angeles Clipper. Yeah. So, you know, the NBA has got a bubble, but you can get out for family deals, get approved absences. And Lou Williams had a death in his family. He went to the funeral back in his hometown of Atlanta. Great high school player and a one time Georgia Bulldog commit. So that's how we'll tie this into college sports. Um, <laughs> but then he just went right to the pro. But he's 33 year old grown man and a 16 year veteran and a three time six man player of the year. And Lou Williams is quite a character. Um, his previous most notable off field off uh, court uh, news item was when he bought a bed. Uh, large enough for, as he, I think, put it, uh, more than two people to sleep in at once. <laughs> How many more? We don't know. But uh, it's kind of the mindset of Lou Williams. If you are you need a bed to entertain more than two, good on you, I guess. Whatever floats the boat. Uh, but that's Lou. So maybe it wasn't a surprise that on his trip back to Atlanta, he had a hankering for some chicken wings at his favorite chicken wing place, which just happens to be the Magic City Gentleman's Club. Uh, in fact, he's such his favorite chicken wings. The chicken wings are actually named after him. <laughs> the uh, Dan, I have to ask, I, I saw that detail first in your column. Was it your own intrepid reporting instinct that led you to the Magic City menu and you discovered this detail yourself. I felt like that was an exclusive Yahoo, Yahoo detail. I don't know if you, you cribbed it from somewhere else. It was your Listen, own dogged reporting. This kind of reporting, if an NBA player is caught eating chicken wings in a strip <laughs> joint and violating the bubble, I will, no stone will go unturned with my reporting. <laughs> 
That brings the out Lou, the bulldog in Wetzel. That's yes. right. The Lou Will Lemon Pepper Barbecue Wings. That is the name of the wings. Now, I talk about a life accomplishments, life goals. Having a strip club name their chicken wings after you. <laughs> I mean, that's really what you aspire to. You ask a young kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Astronaut, firefighter. Right. NBA. I want to have some strip club chicken wings named after me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this, of course, uh, great comedy. He got he got screwed because this uh, this recording artist took his picture. Of course, he posed for a picture while inside waiting for these wings. Uh, They have curbside pickup. And since you are Lou Williams and they are the Lou Will Lemon Pepper Barbecue Wings, I think Magic City would deliver for you. You didn't have to go in like an average smuck stand in line to get your your takeout but this guy snitched the rapper uh took a picture of him or something i don't know that's not his name but. i mean come on man can't be snitching out the blue will magic city should be a safe place what the hell is going so, on with guy code out there yeah, and then I, he got caught in a lie like a, like a bumbling teenager you know oh, oh that was an old picture i was shouting him out but he had his nba face mask on so i give lou will credit he wore his mask this was bubble mask dumb upon dumb first off don't go in there lou get the wings they'll drop them off in your car or send somebody else your damn nba star yeah here's the the thing that only works if you're really just there for the wings i'm suggesting he might have been there for the breasts and thighs and other (laughs) well that's possible i i'm not going to discount that i will say though lou has been very open and uh, and honest about his motivations in life hence admitting that he has a bed big enough for more than two (laughs) our 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 listeners have really wanted more chicken wars pat introduced them in a new way so Uh, but this is the problem. Okay. So here you have a bubble. This is what you, cause we talk, what is going to happen when college kids are back on campus? I mean, this is a grown man making millions of dollars. Who's got a chance of winning the NBA championship this year with the loss with the LA Clippers. And he knows that there's all eyes on him. And he knows when he gets back, he could be in a lot of trouble. Not just, he's getting a 10 day court. He's getting locked in a room for 10 days. Right. And Kawhi Leonard may beat the hell out of him. I don't know, right? Like, and Doc Rivers is, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? He knows all of this. He's 33 years old. Uh, maybe the maturity level is a little below the average 33-year-old. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. He no longer is sleeping in a bed more of anything. And yet he <laughs> still goes to the Magic City to get his chicken wings. Gets one last fix in, if we're even going to believe his story. But goes in, waits, gets photos taken. Like, what chance does a college coach have of getting all the kids to avoid this? Because obviously it becomes funny because it's Magic City. But this could be Wingstop. This could be, you know, this could be the campus bar, the pizza place or the star, whatever it is. Or it could just be I went down the hall of the dorm or the apartment next door and played Madden. Or, you know, I went and studied with that, uh, you know, that girl in uh, class there. I don't know. But this guy, like, he gets out. He's only been in the bubble for like a week. (laughs) He goes to a funeral, and his first stop is (laughs) the Gentleman's Club. 
for some chicken wings. What chance do we have outside of the bubble? And this is why I think the Canadian government was like, yeah, no, no. If you're in a bubble, you got a shot. We'll take you. No bubble. Our Blue Jays are going to be all over the joint. And all of the visiting teams are going to be all over this. We don't need you. What would I mean, right? Is this thought the legend of Lou Williams is really the cautionary tale of our times? It's a perfect way to put it. I mean, there's yeah, there's human nature is going to creep in for Lou Williams. It crept in a little earlier than maybe some people would have thought. But like at some point in a non bubble situation, you know, like in, in look, asking college athletes to go into a bubble for four months for a season, I don't think is fair. Now, they yeah. all want to play and they say they want to do it, but I really don't think you could do that. You want to talk about bad optics? That's essentially like locking them in a prison and letting them out to practice for two and they, a half hours. A they day. don't have the money and, for that anyway. Yeah. Well, the NBA I mean, is spending 20, $170 yeah. million on just their players. They have 660 players or, or, or traveling part people inside the bubble. And after a month, half of, more than half of them are gone. They're down to eight teams by September 1st. And they're ending by October 13th. That's it. College football would cost like a billion, billions of dollars. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, you would just have to do some sort. Now, Clemson, Ohio State, and Michigan, and USC could fi- figure out a way to f- afford it. But you would just have to basically take a dorm, put guys in, and then have the GAs like sleep in the lobby and somebody guard the back door and make sure no one, I mean, that's what it would have to be. Like it, it would, you know, the NBA brought in like secret, former Secret Service agents or whatever I read somewhere. You're, you're not going to have that. You're going to have like, you know, some strength intern sitting out, sitting out front in his uh, schmedium polo guarding you. So it's just like <laughs> that's, you know, that would have to be. But like you would have to have a controlled environment in college inherently with unpaid athletes. I don't think you can have that control environment no the smedium polo got me that was good the good detail for, for <laughs> yes for every strength in turn but yeah no they, they look you are battling human nature you are battling numbers you are battling the age of the people involved and the environment they're going to be in and that's where those are those are going to probably be losing battles is because as pete said not only do we have we not gotten to full-fledged practice we haven't gotten to full campus population either and a lot of these people last saw each other in mid-March when they were just abruptly shoved out of campus and sent home. And when they come back together in August, they're going to want to socialize in one way or another, even if you mean well. Meaning well to you might be, okay, we're only going to have eight people over instead of 30 or 50. But then those eight people are going to propagate and go, you know, it's just you are fighting a major logistical battle that I don't know whether it's winnable. And as, as Pete alluded to, the the amount of, uh, I guess, limiting that would go into a college football bubble would be, there would be a lot of backlash and pushback to that from a lot of different areas. You could, again, I would go back. And likely the from the players themselves. Well, sure, sure, <laughs> absolutely. The explanation would just have to be, we need the money, but that's not going to go over terribly well with all precincts. I, I don't know if they have I, I still don't even know if they have enough money to do it like they're going to lose. Right. If you can't have fans, you're going to lose so much money. I thought I saw something. Uh, it was a story in Alabama is going to be down 60 million if they can't have fans. Well, and, I mean, Barry to, Alvarez to, put out a letter saying they could be down 100 million if they have, don't have football. And I think it'd be 60, 60 million with with football. They're going to lose and 100 million without football. But how much millions would you spend trying to make a bubble around your team? 24 seven. I mean, that's going to cost an extraordinary amount of money too. that extra 40 million or, so, or six, you know, like you're, you're 
you're chipping into that anyway. And I just, it's just human nature. This is it. Lou Williams didn't, he wasn't thinking that this would happen to him. He just thought, I'll just slip in there. And that's what every, it's very, very hard to maintain that discipline. And it's going to be even harder as the thing goes on. That's what I was just going to say. So like right now, I mean, and this is never changing Mount Rushmore and Shreveport, obviously, but, but the, the three <laughs> people that got to be on it, uh, Rudy Gobert, Sweet Lou Williams and, and the Marlins, right? I mean, those are those. Can we just are... put Jeter on there. I mean, we'd get more tourists there if Jeter was on there, right? <laughs> like he's true. the face of the Marlins. He's the face of the Marlins, and we're putting faces up there. So yeah, sure. Jeter. Maybe it's the it's the chef at Magic City, though. I mean, he's really the. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if he didn't I'm not make a lemon these... pepper guy, but well, well, I like what? lemon pepper. Lemon pepper yeah. barbecue. You, you That's, you that that was intriguing. The barbecue part. There's also the Uncle Jeff honey jerk wings. I don't know who Uncle Jeff is. Uh, there's the Juju Rude Boy jerk chicken wings. All right. There's Justice Magic chicken wings. I don't know what that is. Ten pieces for 15, all flats for 17, all drums 17. Um, okay. They got a lot here, though. You get chicken and waffles for 15 bucks. Yeah. You can get a steak and shrimp for 30, lamb chops <laughs> and two sides Ooh. for 30, black bean just, burger for our for our vegetarian gentlemen club patrons. People really go to places like Magic City to eat. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, absolutely. They do. Look at this. I mean, that's a nuanced mm. wing menu. You don't see the all drums, all flats uh, on, a, on a lot right? of menus. So yeah. that's, that they got a bunch here. They are uh, catfish nuggets, salmon. Yeah, oh, anything. Wow. Lobster tail in one side for 30 bucks. The catch of the day. Do they day. have a paleo menu, Dan? What's that? <laughs> they probably do. Yeah. Let's see. Put it on the list, like if, if the college football playoff championships in Atlanta for live pod uh, locations. <laughs> well, watch when they all of a sudden the, they're going to stop uh, stop having that committee meet in Dallas. Now they know about this place and they're going to start meeting. <laughs> So when IT calls Dan and was like, Dan, why did you spend so much time on the Magic City uh, strip club? Uh, <laughs> he'd be like, look, I was just scouting locations for the podcast. You know, you know. Just check it out. Lou Williams' debut is going to be an American celebration in 10 days. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching. Mention the, uh, the money. Uh, I thought, uh, Pete, uh, Pat, you sent this over to us. Really good column by David Jones of uh, Penn Live. Longtime college football and basketball reporter, Penn State, all the Big Ten, but also just all the different, just all the different leagues. And uh, it was good. It was a thought-provoking column, which is what you're looking for. And he basically said, uh, "Don't I don't want to listen to Barry Alvarez's tears that their athletic department is in trouble because they might lose a hundred million dollars." So uh, Alvarez said. Um, They've lost, uh, they anticipate losing $60 million this year, another 40 if there's no football for a $100 million loss uh, out of $140 million general revenue. I guess basically Big Ten's getting their cable, basic cable fees, and they're getting some some donations, and that's about it. That's that's the spigot. But his thing is you guys overexpanded and went crazy and built basically pro-professional sports operations when... 30 years ago, these were very much mom and pop shops and much smaller and more fiscally responsible. And now you're screwed and you're crying. Um, that may be a little harsh of the way he, <laughs> David, as he often does, is a lot more eloquent than I am. But what do you think, Pat? Uh, I thought certainly this is an interesting column. Absolutely. And something we've talked about on the podcast. And shoot, I know, Dan, you've written about many times is, you know, the, the, 
ever-expanding college sports industrial complex and just the sheer number of staff in an athletic department now where they've you know, tripled uh, in some locations and you've got assistant AD on top of assistant AD on top of assistant AD and then eat the big sports football has got a chief of staff and an operations and an assistant operations and a strength staff and all this recruiting staff. And there's just, you know, we have just mushroomed the number of people that are on the payroll. And that's in addition to building every facility possible. And that was operating on the assumption, which for a while seemed sound, but now sure doesn't, that things would forever be profitable, that there was no end to the profits, there was no end to the riches, there was no end to getting more, more, more money, so let's just keep going. And, of course, the underlying motivation to spend all that you've got was to look poor so that you could say you didn't have the money to pay the players. So those things are now coming back as a bit of a uh, double whammy on the schools. And Look, they they throw out these numbers and you do kind of recoil like, oh, my gosh, they're really losing that much. And then, yeah, if they, like Dave Jones said, if you dig into it, it's like, yeah, because you have spent so much more money than you used to. And you're used to such a massive bloated budget that that's the one of the biggest reasons you would be in this financial dire straits. Yeah. And I you know, when I when I think about that, that example, Pat and Dan, I think of like the Pac-12, right? You've got a place that's been underperforming and not operating at a particularly high level for a long time. And you have Larry Scott, who who basically voted to double his own salary. I believe the head of the Pac-12 networks left and Larry just like took that job. And instead of making two and a half million, ended up somewhere around five million. Like Larry Scott in no universe should be making five million dollars a year. None. And then you look on the Pac-12 masthead. And, you know, when they're when their tax reports come out every year and you've got the CMO and other people making a half million dollars a year and, you know, four hundred thousand dollars a year. And it's just basically everyone saw all the revenue skyrocket and all the administrators jumped on the jumped on the gravy train. It's it's very simple. And the, the money was a never ending spigot. And we're about to enter an era of relative austerity in college sports. And you know what? A lot of these places are going to realize they could probably cut their staffs by a third and not really miss that much. And that's really what we're what we're facing right now. A lot of these ADs are, are, are coming up with really hard models. Now, look, these are people, they have families, they have lives like these are very difficult decisions that are that are coming for college sports. But I do think some sort of some sort of recoil for the sport and some sort of boomerang back to some relative measures of spending is coming and it's going to come quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think it was that uh, that bit where I had uh, the Michigan University of Michigan athletic department grew 50 percent in eight years, you know, in staffing um, and, you know, the salaries go up. It's not just these these massive things either. I remember when I was a student reporter uh, in college, I covered uh, women's soccer was one of my beats. The women's soccer programs around the country and they had UMass had a good soccer team. Uh, I think they made the final four and they had Brianna Scurry. They had like Olympians and like, you know, U.S. national. It was a very good program. And so they play other teams and you could just call up the other coach and they just answer the phone. Coaches had athlete, women's soccer teams had one coach. There was just a head coach. And then there might be a grad assistant who was like, you know, that former player, you know, getting basically working for nothing and but getting free grad school. And that was the assistant to help kind of work practices. 
But that was it. You can call you can call almost any coach in the country. It was just one guy, one woman. That was the whole staff. Now every women's soccer program in the country's got three, four coaches. And you know, I mean, I, those they're not getting paid a ton. They may not be full time, but just the sheer volume out. Like, is the do you need three or four coaches to coach a women's soccer team or men's soccer team? I mean, ideally, yeah, but do you really? Like, they used to be able to make it. And I don't, you know, but you have so much money, everyone just starts building out and they built out everything. The facilities are better. You're not just playing on some grass field where you share with field hockey or something like everything is so gold plated and they have so much debt on these on these facilities that they're they're in trouble. So I I thought it was a good point. I mean, I certainly feel for these schools at this point because it's like, how do we do? You know, you can see why they never they just kept spending and spending and spending. But you know, the hangovers here, they spent like drunken sailors and now the, the, the hangovers here. And I don't know what they're, what they're going to do. I don't, I just, uh, yeah, it, you said it's a, it's a day of reckoning coming. And, uh, and this is the spot we're at. Uh, you know, if, if you look at what Wisconsin's talking about and what's being talked about in a lot of places, losing all this money and you are sitting at as a non-revenue sport, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to us. You may want to look at what Arizona state did on Sunday with their swimming and diving programs. They took the season off 2020-21. They're just, they're redshirting everyone. They are not going to compete for a full season. And when that news came across, you're like, oh my gosh, stunner, you know, because it's unprecedented, really. I think you'd probably have to go back to World War II when people were just taking full seasons off because they didn't feel they could do it. Uh, so, but as Bob Bowman told me, the coach, who was Michael Phelps's coach uh, and has coached several other Olympians, said when you start looking at it it makes a little more sense and the reason behind it being they don't know what kind of season they're going to have right now the winter sports seasons are going to be half probably at best and they are worried about their place within an athletic department if you go to the athletic director and you say hey we can help you save some money here if we just take this season off it might be well received now the as one person who's been involved in this and I was told there could be up to a dozen just swim programs considering this, probably many more in other non-revenue sports, uh, and why this could be a trendsetter. There, there is a fine line between, as they put it, a medically induced coma and medically assisted suicide, uh, where you're like, okay, we'll put ourselves into our program into a coma for a year and save money, and then the but the AD could also turn on and say, huh, we didn't miss you that much. We're just going to get rid of the program. So there's a real delicate balance. I think some of these non-revenue sports are going to walk toward this decision and then we'll see if they take it and how that's received. But I definitely think we will see more of this uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Pete, I know you think you've, you've heard something similar. You know, in terms of like volleyball, field hockey, soccer, those kinds of things, talking to folks about like the, the mindset of those programs and places. And one thing someone said is if fall championships are postponed, some really good teams were like, why don't we all redshirt and just play a real season? Basically, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but like if you play in the fall or you, you push it to the spring, like it is not going to be any semblance of normalcy. And there's going to be no semblance of normalcy to especially if you're a senior to your final year. So why not redshirt everybody? Take a pause and then, you know, hopefully praying, knocking on wood that come next fall, everything's back normal again. You keep the core of your team together. The upperclassmen get their one more shot and you have a, uh, you know, you have a year of relative normalcy because 
even if things get pushed back, like say we have a college basketball season, it is not going to look anything like a traditional college basketball season that we see. Uh, the expectation already is that it's going to start in January. It's going to be conference only. And I'm beginning to wonder now if the NCAA has to start to say, hey, we may need to make a bubble if this is going to work. Like if we're going to have this tournament, they, they can't be caught flat-footed here. Now, it is the NCAA, so I, I give Dan Gavitt credit. He's a creative, forward-thinking guy. But, like, can you can you move all these large moving parts to get some type of tournament in a bubble situation to have in March? Because, basically, if there's no NCAA tournament this spring, like, the future of the whole sport, uh, the, the future of the NCAA is, is in peril. All right. Well, that's uh, uplifting stuff on this podcast today. I think I need to go to Magic <laughs> City. Let's just... <laughs> No, yeah, we're no, killing off entire sports seasons here. No problem. Could use a pick-me-up. I want to end with this. Um, found this little thing. It's called the Deep Dish, and it is on the DoorDash.com blog. Did you know DoorDash blogged? I, I did not. I did not. Well, they do. DoorDash blogs. They uh, obviously very interesting human behavior, including the food trends of 2020, which, of course, has been mostly people staying at home. What are they craving? Mexican food is the number one choice. Uh, followed quite surprisingly to me was seafood. Close second. Really? Seafood. Seafood's a uh, tough thing to order for delivery. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm not, I love I'm not seafood, going there. But I don't want that half an hour lag time before I get it. <laughs> but apparently not, though. Anyway, DoorDash is banging. I mean, they are really, they're, they're having a good quarter. Uh, they're doing well. The business is booming, and everyone's trying to partner with DoorDash and the others. Like, even Little Caesars, which didn't deliver, now delivers, apparently. Popeyes, one of our favorites. Popeyes is uh, pandemic-proof, they're saying. Uh, visits are up 40% <laughs> this year. And so people are ordering their Popeyes. And it, it makes sense because, according here to the, the DoorDash blog, <laughs> it just cracks me up. Everyone's got a blog, even DoorDash. Uh, the top 10 ordered items the past six months. So uh, you guys want to give this a shot? You want to try to guess a couple here? See if you can come up with what food sure. items are in the top 10. You want to start, okay. Pat? Give it a shot. Yeah. I got to say burgers. Everybody, you know, it's, it's a fairly universal food. I say people are ordering a lot of burgers. So very confused on this. I don't, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm hate to doubt the validity of the DoorDash uh, blog deep dish vaunted journalistic institution that it is yes it's not in there no burger what? come on doesn't seem right to me what about Maybe wings no. people gotta be ordering wings oh uh, wings for sure no it's uh, no sketchy again sketchy i would no think wings. the the Luwil wings would be number one just like Luwil. that the amount of wings that that magic city is going to cook this week it, it's going to uh. quadruple <laughs> their record like they should Le be hiring new wing chefs today legendary marketing for for Magic City, oh. really, like just, you know, I heard at the Super Bowl that the uh, strip club uh, Tootsie's Cabaret uh, down in Florida, which obviously had always been popular, but this was right after our Hernandez documentary where Aaron Hernandez on a jailhouse call declares Tootsie's Cabaret the greatest strip joint in America, and <laughs> it was a, a business boom, like, you know, you don't want to really take a lot of recommendations from Aaron Hernandez for a whole lot, but yeah. <laughs> he might know about this. His, his endorsement may carry weight when it comes to gentlemen's clubs in South Florida. Probably the man knows what he speaks. Same thing. Lou will talk about these wings. It's going to be banner. All right. I'm just going to start reading these. I, I'm a little surprised. All right. Number 10. We'll go backwards. Uh, yeah. Fish and chips. 
Fish and chips is number 10. Again, uh, I, I feel especially bad for the DoorDash drivers who have to deliver fish <laughs> because your car smells oh, yeah. like fish. I mean, it'd be awful. You kidding me? Ugh. Gets worse. Okay. Gets worse. Number nine, spicy tuna roll. Some sushi. Oh. <laughs> nah, that's fine. Sushi delivery is okay. Like, sushi tuna rolls don't stink like fish and chips. Stink. No, they totally don't different. stink. But, but again, you don't want them aging very long, you know? Yes. Yeah. But I, I'm all good with sushi delivery. That's that's yeah. fine. That's, you know. Okay. All right. I also, there. it's very interesting. Different areas of the country uh, have different places. Now, uh, so like San Francisco is huge. Door, DoorDash has 64% of the market in San Francisco. 61% in Houston, 47. Like they they have some big ones. Uh Uber Eats is more popular in Miami. Really weird. Hmm, Grubhub has 52% of the New York City market. So I, you know, that's kind of weird. So I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. They kind of got more of a West Coast thing going. Uh maybe that helps the sushi. I, you know, that's it. Anyway, number nine was spicy tuna roll. Number eight. Yeah, spicy was tuna roll is not going to be big in like Iowa. Like Des Moines is not going to be rolling the spicy tuna roll. <laughs> I think it's not, but maybe in San Francisco, you got a lot of good. You got a lot of good sushi restaurants. That's what people oh, yeah. want. You can't make that thing at home very easy, right? Yeah. Uh, number eight, chicken fajita. The chicken fajita is the uh, number eight. Good solid. I mean, you kind of want that sizzle, but yeah. the specificity here is is kind of humorous. I have to say. Yes. You yeah. Know, like again, the fajita doing much better than the burrito. You know, the yeah. tacos not, sure not the, doing not moving. Yeah. I'm not sure the DoorDash.com blog is uh, necessarily <laughs> the paper of record here, but we're going with it. <laughs> Number seven, breakfast burrito. People getting up early and just too lazy to go. make anything. Yeah. Just, well, I think uh, a lot of people are hung over during the pandemic. That actually makes a lot of sense. Those are like ordered at like 1115. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like you got to get your order in right before McDonald's closes the breakfast. I always hated that. Yeah. Who the hell yeah. with the arrogance of McDonald's to tell me when I'm supposed to eat breakfast? <laughs> We we did quite a bit on that at some point. Yeah, yeah, we did. By the was, way, since you mentioned McDonald's, I'm going to bring this up. I looked up Lou Williams on Wiki, and it said in December 2011, Williams claimed his NBA recognition saved him from an armed robbery attempt in a Philadelphia neighborhood. A gunman allegedly tried to rob Williams, but stopped and said he was a fan. After Williams and the gunman reached an understanding, Williams bought him food for McDonald's. <laughs> See, <laughs> Lou humanitarian, well. humanitarian. Hey, if you just I mean, got I'm, the curbside delivery, we'd all be good here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number six, California roll. More sushi. More Makes sushi. sense. That's the most popular sushi, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Intriguing number five, iced coffee. Really? Nah, that makes sense. I mean, you, you, you're you from Boston, Dan. People like iced coffees, their appendage, even in February. So, uh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I live with an iced coffee addict. I could see it. All right. Number four. Yeah. I thought this would be number one. Pizza. Yeah, yeah, pizza's I, number four. I mean, I thought pizza was such an obvious choice that I didn't even bring it up. Yeah. I mean, that is a huh. that is a uh, Bucknell defeats Kansas upset there. They were the number one <laughs> seed as far as I was concerned. Yeah. But maybe not through DoorDash, because I guess you just go directly. So maybe that's it. Yeah, not through DoorDash. Sure. You wouldn't call DoorDash for pizza, would you? you just get call no. You yeah. call the place. pizza place because they all have their own delivery. Yeah. Plus, you're yeah, kind of used to picking up your setup. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that's probably why that is number three: spicy shrimp taco. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Again, 
Spicy. <laughs> All right. Again, the spicy shrimp taco doing much better than the non-spicy shrimp taco, I guess, here. Whatever you and say. And none Gordon, doing well for the driver's car. The spicy uh, no. shrimp, no. 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 no, no, no. All right. This is pure laziness. This is purely a sign that America doesn't know how to cook. Because if they can't make this, number two, mac and cheese. <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> That's pitiful. <laughs> that is pitiful. You can't I make mac and cheese. Really good mac and cheese from a restaurant is far different than the box in your cabinet, right? Yeah, like, you don't you've have to place. rely just on the box at home to make good mac and cheese, though. You can Come make on. your own. You can make your it's own. It's really easy. But the, the box, if you're talking <laughs> about the volume, <laughs> if you're talking about the volume of number two DoorDash item over the past six months, I don't think <laughs> it's the high-end mac and cheese. I think it's <laughs> probably not. Mac and cheese? Come on. Yeah. Boil a little yeah. water. You squeeze the pack in. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe maybe you got to mix it with some milk. I don't know. All yeah. right. Number I don't one. Feel good about American obesity trends right now. No, there's not a lot of kale. Not a lot of kale on this list. <laughs> not, uh, this literally might be the only item. Well, I guess the taco could have some, some lettuce. Uh, this item coming up may be the only. I mean, you could put a vegetable on a pizza. Yeah. There's a, Fish and chips sometimes has a lemon. It's like a fruit. <laughs> I like a good a, lemon with my fish. Anyway, here it is, number one, and it goes right back to our Popeyes. The chicken sandwich and fries is the number one most ordered item on DoorDash yeah, last baby. six months. Yeah, mm-hmm. baby. I don't, America I don't know knows if they have the Chick-fil-A, wants. but they know Popeyes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how the burger and fry isn't on here. I Again, very, very questionable, but this is literally the official DoorDash blog. So what do I know? Yeah. The the famous Popeyes in Boston closed the chicken and beer one across from Fenway Park that caused the Red Sox all that rankle uh, four or five years yes. ago. They closed. When they collapsed. Oh. This, yeah, it's gone. It's not there anymore. So the you can, right can you even hotel. get Popeyes yeah. in your city? There is like one Popeyes somewhere in 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 the uh, in in the greater Boston area right now. So it's like um, it's like I'll the have to food see if they, desert. I'll have to see if they deliver. I still haven't tried the Popeyes chicken sandwich yet. Much to oh, much geez. to the chagrin of my co-hosts here. Um, yeah. Right. Well, you see. know, you've been busy. Uh, the quarantine. Yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. Been traveling. Exactly. Others on the road. Yeah. yeah. There's there's one in uh, there's one in Northeastern in the Curry Student Center. That's close. there's uh, and then there's uh, there's two others that aren't that far around. Both have well, delivery. You never know. Maybe this is the come week. On. This come is on. it. This is it. All right. Well, that's it. All right. Well, that's our that's our show. Um, hopefully we have better news on Thursday. <laughs> Good luck. Woo. Good yeah. luck, everyone. And uh, please, if you're ordering chicken wings, you can go to any establishment you want. We want all the businesses to stay open. Maybe just curbside delivery. Please. <laughs> We're trying to have a sports season here. We're begging you. Please do your part and uh, make your own mac and cheese. Talk to you all later. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at skullduggerypod